Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to help keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Rich. Sorry to turn my back on you. Hi, my name is Rich. I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, congratulations for you taking your chips. That's awesome. Um, we call it birthdays here. My wife is here and my aunt Regina is here. And we call them birthdays because really our life really began over again. Uh, and um, so I, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to talk for the whole 40 minutes if it doesn't take 40 minutes to deliver my message. So uh, basically I came in here... Um, I wasn't exactly a vision for you. <laughs> I, um, I was the epitome of incomprehensible, demoralized uh, uh, blob of self-pity and misery. Uh, then I um, decided to pick a sponsor and work the steps and take direction, uh, get closer to God, and I got abstinent. And that's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> no, I, I, what caught my eye um, was the 15 questions. Ooh. Everyone knows these, right? Um, I love this test. And uh, do you eat when you're not hungry? Yep. Uh, do you uh, go on eating binges with no apparent reason? Yes. Do you have feelings of guilt and remorse over overeating? You betcha. Um <laughs> Do you give too much time and thought to food? <laughs> um, do you look forward with pleasure and anticipation uh, to the time when you can eat alone? Mm-hmm. Don't tell anybody that. Um, do you plan secret binges ahead of time? Do you eat sensibly before others and make up for it alone? Is your weight affecting the way? You know what? I took this at the Orange County Fair. Back in the 1990s, I took this test. And I passed with flying colors. (laughs) Or did I fail? I really don't know. Uh, But they were all in one column. And they were all in the affirmative column. Um, And that's when I realized, uh uh-oh, maybe I'm a little different about this. And this food thing is a little different. Um, And that was my first exposure to the 12 Steps. Um, I didn't know. I had heard of 12-step programs. I didn't know what they were all about. Now, I'm going to share very briefly that I had other substances in my life and other problems in my life, and as part of my story. The big book uh, talks about, in their stories, they have cross-addictive things. But um, I was, um, uh, it turns out I also um, belonged in our parent organization, and um, when I went to the meeting and the book said Alcoholics Anonymous, I go, what has this got to do with anything? And I made pretty much made skid marks in the parking lot, got the heck out of there. Uh, but it, the brief time that I was there, I realized, wow, I really felt at home because I heard the stories. I heard people sharing about things that I truly related to and I had never heard anywhere else before. And what really bowled me over was how, was the honesty and how people talked so openly about things that I had been keeping secret 
and quiet and, and didn't understand myself. So that was a big revelation for me. So as I went through life hitting bottom in my other addictions, um, I had hit a very pitiful time in my life in uh, December of 1993, and I called a hotline, and they said uh, one of only three things will happen to you if you don't get help. And one is you're going to die. Um, two, you'll end up in jail. And three, you'll end up in an institution with no brains. One of those three things are definitely going to happen to you. And I started bawling like a baby. And I realized she was right. So I got to a meeting. And um, I was back in 12 steps. And uh, I have been clean and sober for 18 years plus now. And um, at that time, I also recommitted to OA uh, with a whole new um, understanding of what the steps were about. And um, I started getting abstinent, um, and I was going to both meetings, and um, things were working really well for me. But what happened was, uh, even in my sobriety, what happened is I, I kind of got a little disenchanted with OA for various reasons, and also... I started rationalizing that it would be okay that if I pretty much eat the way I want to eat. So I started uh, once again getting on the uh, the yo-yo of life <laughs> that we have all uh, ridden on this yo-yo up and down and uh, going through various phases of, of our addiction to food. Now, food was my first addiction. Um, first of all, when I was a little... A little boy, I was skinny as a rail. And my mom was worried about me. She thought something was wrong, and she was a fairly, uh, dis- I would say she's, we call her a disciplinarian. She was pretty strict with me at times. And um, she made it clear that I was to eat everything on my plate. Now, we had these, these god-awful plates from the 50s that, um, that had a rooster on them. So the rule was I had to eat until I could see the rooster. And um, there were very often things on that plate I had no interest in. And by the way, I was also a real picky eater, too. It's really weird. Um, oh, by the way, the, um, uh, the proverbial fat pictures are going around. And um, on the flip side is a picture that I took a few weeks ago. It's taken kind of from the top of a, of a hilltop near our house that I can now climb on my mountain bike. Uh, and enjoy the most amazing views of the ocean and enjoy nature. Because today I've, I'm literally not locked up in a room with a, in, in, and a bag of something uh, kind of passing out to the glow of the TV. So my life is completely different today, which I'll get into a little bit more. But basically, my mom w- would make me eat till the rooster. I was at the rooster thing. Okay, so back to the rooster. Um... There was a little story that went around my family. My family would talk about about how I was so stubborn that I would sit there and not eat. I couldn't get. A, I wouldn't be allowed to leave the table until one night I actually fell asleep and my head flopped down in the food. And yeah, everyone thought that was real funny and real cute. But um, a few years later, when I got into some therapy, the therapist did not laugh. And uh, realized that, you know, the roots go deep. My parents uh, divorced when I was very young, at three years old. And 
food became a comfort for me. Um, food, be- because I have an addictive gene in my body, whatever that is, um, that addictive gene, when that substance gave me the calm and the feeling of warmth and comfort, I could not stop. I don't have an, uh, a very good off button. Uh, so once I'm turned on, I'm pretty jammed on. And I can't get enough uh, until I've had too much. And um, uh, basically my MO um, in, in my disease is I will pig out till I pass out. And uh, basically I ate alcoholically. Um, I did all these things, you know. And um, I'm going to tell you tonight that... Um, I have a special guest here, my wife and my, my Aunt Regina. My, my wife uh, is absolutely amazing and her, um, her forgiveness and her understanding and her love for me, her unconditional love for me, absolutely blows me away. First of all, I didn't get married until I was 48. She's my, my only love. And uh, we've been married for almost 10 years now. But um, she suffered through a lot of my my overeating, uh, and was baffled, completely baffled by it. Um, if anyone's an Al-Anon, she's a black belt in Al-Anon. <laughs> she, I don't believe, has ever been to an Al-Anon meeting. She comes by it naturally. And, um, but basically, she at some point realized that there was nothing she could do. Uh, and she loved me anyway. And it was... The disease was ta- tearing us apart uh, because this last time when I um, started approaching uh, a very unhealthy period physically in my life, um, I weighed over 260 pounds and um, I felt like doo-doo. Felt really, really bad. Physically, mentally, I mean, you know, psychologically, it's 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 absolutely devastating. Um, I am. Um, I was um, through my most of my life. I've I've always enjoyed cycling, bike riding, and uh, especially when I when I got sober and abstinent in 1993, I really really enjoyed cycling and went on some amazing cycling trips and. Um, Never quite gave up cycling, but it was a couple years ago when we we moved uh, in San Clemente. We moved inland a little bit, so we have to go when we ride our bikes to the beach. One of the rules when we looked for our house was we had to be within riding distance of the beach, and uh, we're blessed to be able to to live uh, a 12 minute bike ride from the beach. But it's all uphill back, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and I could ride it, but uh, there's this one particular hill that was a little steep, short and steep. And um, I was um, riding up this thing and just feeling, you know, you know, barely making it in the very lowest gear. And this couple about my age comes riding by me, riding by on a bike. And they go, you know, this hill would be a lot easier if you just raise your seat a couple inches. It's like. I said, no, this hill would be a lot easier if I lost about 50 pounds. Oh, no, you'd be amazed if you just raised your seat. Come on. I mean, okay, my seat was a little low. I knew that because I was just lazy. I hadn't, it was a little low. They were right. 
But it just ticked me off because I knew why I couldn't make it up that friggin' hill. And, um, and I was embarrassed and I felt like crap and I didn't like writing too much anymore. And um, so, I don't know. Somewhere I, I started, I decided I was going to get some help and I came back to OA. And I walked into a meeting and I saw a guy that looked normal. <laughs> well, no one's normally normal in these rooms. You know, we're all here because we're not all there. But we, um, he looked like he had a really happy, normal, well-adjusted life. And he worked at Steps. And he had something I wanted. And I asked, will you be my sponsor? And he accepted. And he um, started laying out the rules. And um, we started working the Steps together. And... Um, I, I started getting really uh, feeling a lot better, um, and it was the, the the results were just dramatic because I'm not naturally a heavy person, and um, I stopped eating compulsively. Now, some of the things I used to do, I won't get be too graphic about it uh, because I think we all have similar stories, um, and, and you know what that is, but um, I basically now eat. Three meals a day plus a nutrition snack when needed. And I do not eat my trigger foods, the foods that I have identified as triggers. And um, every meal has a beginning and a middle and an end. And um, I also invite God to, um, to help me in my life more and more. So um, when all of these things started happening, you know, now I can ride that hill up at 14 miles an hour and uh, without being too badly out of breath. And I'm looking for these people. <laughs> I'm, I'm tr- hoping every day I'm going to see them and I'm going to ride past them very fast and say, you know, if you just lowered your seat by about two inches. But see, that's a resentment now, isn't it? Isn't that a resentment? Maybe it's time I give up that resentment. Um... Actually, I think I have, but let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, the first step I like to say in this program is a doozy of a step. Uh, They say it's the only step you can work perfectly uh, at any given time, but okay, we conceded to our innermost self that we're a compulsive operator and our life had become unmanageable. And um, innermost self. How many times did we think we found our innermost self and found out the next day that we hadn't because we obviously it didn't seem to make an impact? Does anybody relate to that? I mean, how many bottoms are there? Every bottom seemed to have a trap door in it. You know? And that is what it was like for me. I wrote these really horrible things but about how miserable I was. And I'll never do that again. I'll never binge again. And then next thing you know, by that evening, uh, you know, I'm going home through the drive-thru and then when I come home, not hungry, and my wife prepared a nice meal, I sit and eat the meal anyway because I couldn't tell her. I just went through the drive-thru. Well, she figured it out. She figured out how much money I was spending. She told me about $600, I think is the figure she said. About $600 a month was just flying out of our budget uh, because I was eating unsensibly and my wife is, um, uh, we call in 
these rooms a normie, you know, because she has a normal attitude about food. And gosh, I'm full. Gosh, that's too rich. These are, these are things they they will say. Another thing she'll say is, um, let's see, I'll say I want to get this right, especially since she's here. Um, fruit is God's candy. Oh God. No, candy is God's candy. No. Um, so, and I didn't get that at all. But today, um, I have a whole new relationship with food, with healthy foods. And I, today I crave healthy foods. But that first step is a doozy. And one of the things I did when I worked my first step, and I try to, when I'm working with others now, I try to do this. Let's write out the consequences of our disease as graphically and as completely as we can. What are the terrible things that will surely happen as sure as the day starts and ends, as sure as this day is today, what are the things that will definitely happen if I continue compulsively overeating? And try to really visualize that and get scared Because it wasn't until I got scared and got on my knees and asked God for help. God, please help me. Those are the magic words. God, please help me. I prayed for the willingness for so long. I prayed on my knees for the willingness to stop eating compulsively. The willingness to to do the steps. That willingness, I am convinced, came from my higher power. It did not come from me. I don't do this alone. I believe that that came from God. Now, I'm a recovering atheist, folks. I did not come into this program a spiritual giant, and I'm certainly not a spiritual giant today, and I can't tell you that my faith is always 100% unflappable. But um, that's really when I said, God, please help me. And then God put the people in my life, and I started taking the direction. So I came to believe that a power greater than myself, which at first was the group, because I didn't have a God in my life at that time. So the group was clearly, you guys clearly were able to do something I couldn't do. So you were a power greater than myself. So for me, that was my first higher power as it transferred in. Now they say in the big book that the purpose of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they don't say the purpose is to stop drinking or to stop compulsively eating or compulsively washing your hands or whatever disease you have, brain disease you have. Um, They say the purpose of this book is to find a power greater than yourself. And that's truly what the whole book of Alcoholics Anonymous is about and what all the steps start getting you to do. They start moving you towards a higher power. And um, so working that second step, I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity and I started to really believe that was possible. I saw it here through the miracles that I see every day in in these rooms. And... um, I became willing to um, turn my will over a little bit, little little dosages a bit at a time, you know. And um, one of those things I did that I really never fully did, even though I'd worked the 12 steps fully in the other program, I never really worked them fully with an OA sponsor from beginning to end through the book exactly the way they're written. And uh, that's what my um, sponsor uh, helped me do. So, um, I was willing to do that now. So, um, when you get to the fourth step, for me, I heard the fourth step 
when I first heard it, it sounded very scary. And it, it, I, I heard uh, comprehensive, all-inclusive, uh, massive project uh, is what I heard in my head. But it doesn't. It, it, it just has a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. So um, searching and, and, and fearless, well, how do you be fearless about that? Back to the God thing. Because I learned to work the four steps uh, in a workshop first time. And um, I came in and, and the guy said, we're going to write out all the resentments we have against all the people. Uh, oh, okay, so I'm going out to my car. I said, let me go get my day runner because it had all the people in there. I said, gonna... And, and uh, he said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do it that way. And we started getting into a state of prayer. And I started praying for God to reveal these resentments to me. And you know what started happening? People who were not in my day runner were starting to come up on paper. So, I used that, that state of prayer to help me do my fourth step. And then as we worked through it, I started realizing that really I am the cause of my problems and that my expectations of others are what really causes me to be angry. And that anger that I feel towards other people, when I f- allow myself, they say it's the, uh, that resentments are the dubious luxury of the normal eater. Well, um, they say like taking, um, uh, uh, having a, a, uh, harboring a resentment is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> you know? Um, and that really is. I mean, it's, it's like, but it doesn't work. It's you. And, and it's half the time they don't even know that you're mad at them. You know, so it's so ridiculous. Or they don't even care. Even if they do know, they don't care. So it's really all about here and, and, and with God and learning um, the resentment prayer that they suggest in the big book and to start releasing myself from these resentments because the resentments are the number one offender. They will bring us back every time. So. And then as I start facing my own character defects, oh gosh, I pray every day for help with that. And um, I have many. Um, for a complete uh, alphabi- alphabetized list, I'm sure my wife would give you one at the end of the week. But um, quite honestly, um, I pray for many of my shortcomings all the time. And You know, where I'm at today, in my life today, I could not be here uh, doing the things I'm doing today if I was still uh, eating compulsively. And first of all, I probably would have had my heart attack or my stroke. Um, or whatever. Um, but God seems to give us what we can handle. Um, somebody said to me, I love... You. By the way, have you noticed I like catchphrases? You know? I got a million of them. And I love them. But somebody said, God will never um, let you fall further than your knees. But um, they say, God didn't bring you to this point to let you fail. Well, sometimes I think he does. I think he's got a really weird sense of humor. Sometimes I really don't think he cares. And I have a lot of trouble, by the way, personally. This is my personal thing. I have a lot of trouble... Relating to God as someone who's following me closely, knows me, and loves me, and wants the best for me, and will always do the best for me. Sometimes I do see God as somewhat random, and there's a bigger picture there, but that's kind of philosophical. But, hey, I do know something. I do know if I pray, 
I, I get power. Uh, and that I do know from experience that really works. And if, if you don't think it works, just try it. Just try it and try it and try it until it starts working. And when it starts working, then you'll start believing in that. But um, I'm in a place now in my career where my career, we went into the recession a couple years ago, as you know, and they were laying off people. I've been in my business for a long time. I'm in the convention and trade show business. And um, they were laying off hundreds of people because when the economy started to tank, uh, all these budgets were disappearing. And um, I was in no shape to compete with people who were fit. Because not just physically, but mentally, I wasn't fit. And uh, I started getting to the point where I started picking up some new... I was a national sales manager where I had to go travel a lot. And, you know, I could not handle the pace and the workload that I have today. I would not have had the mental acuity or the physical ability to do what I have done in the last two years. I would not have been able to do that when I was still compulsively overeating. So God helped me right in the nick of time. And uh, so now I even have greater challenges at work and um, going into uh, an an incredibly uh, massive um, workload and I'm learning one step at a time to be a better time time organizer and a better manager and a better uh, worker learning to take my my ADD dyslexic brain and try to learn to focus it. And where do I go for that power? I pray now. Like, not sometimes hourly, but huh, every, like, two or three minutes. And, um, and it's been helping me a lot. And let's hope I get through the next few months, which is going to be a very challenging time for me. But it's also exciting, and I... And I'm learning that, you know what, it's okay. I just do my best and God will take care of the rest. You see, God does what we can't do. God does the miracles in life. You know, everything here is a miracle. Life is a miracle when you think about it. Um, we live on a planet whirling around in a, in, a, in a vacuum that's immense. And there's no, I mean, we're in the only little livable slice of, of oxygen, this little sliver of oxygen and everything is here, and our food is here. Our bodies are m- miraculous machines. And we have love, and people help each other. And, I mean, just this is no explanation for the miracle of life. It's just mind-boggling what a miracle life is. And, whoops, I just, my, my ADD brain just went, what was my point? Um... Well, anyway, life is a miracle. So, um, segue. Segue. What was I going to say? Um, they edit these tapes, right? <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess I'll just plunder on. Um, I had a point. I, I just totally lost it. I apologize. Um, so today I, I, I enjoy the, the abstinence, the, the clarity that I get from my, from my abstinence. Um, I'm doing many exciting things in my life today that I could not have done before. And these are a gift of the program. 
but probably there's no question the best gift is that I'm not isolating anymore and I'm getting back closer with my wife and and um, and you know this is a selfish disease when I was out there compulsively overeating you know they say selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our problems because uh, it really truly is a selfish disease and I am out there trying to make myself happy by um, going through the 360 degree drive through that just never stops um, you know, that was uh, putting my, my, my family's livelihood in danger. And now I have a grandson and a granddaughter that look up to me and um, that that love me and I get to spend time with and I can pick them up and play around with them and they don't wear me down too much. And, you know, I mean, what a gift that is. That's just an incredible gift for this guy, you know. Um, so... Then the final frontier, really, in the 12 steps is to be able to start working with others. And that really happens when you get here as a newcomer. You know, the newcomers will start huddling up and talking to each other and trying to figure things out together. And you start going out to meetings. And, you know, next thing you know, you're not quite as much of a newcomer as the next newcomer is. And you can help that person out. So we're all working on that right away. But then once you start getting into the point where somebody is asking you to sponsor, that is an awesome responsibility because it's truly a life or death thing. If we don't recover, we're surely going to die. And if you don't believe that, then door's right there. And um, this is a life or death situation. And... um, Working with others has been really, really bowled me over that today I can work with some people that now call me sponsor and uh, they're doing, I've got some amazing miracles happening in my life. These people are um, just absolutely making me feel great, you know, and uh, also reminding me, reminding me that I'm one compulsive bite. I'm one tubby tot away <laughs> from another binge that could last years. So, um, I've also developed some wonderful friendships in these rooms. Um, and um, I, I speak on a, a daily basis uh, to my friends in the morning. I, and we, I listen to, speak and listen. I, we, we set each other, we set um, goals. I have one person I talk to usually about 6.30 in the morning. And um, we make commitments to each other. Today I'm committed to do this. Okay, and today I commit to do this. And we keep that in mind and it's a very, very helpful thing. Um, today I, I have a whole different relationship with food and my meal plan. I write, I have, by the way, my abstinent date, my, my new abstinent date is February 12, uh, 2010. So I'm coming up on a, a milestone one day at a time. And if the hostess Twinkie truck doesn't drive me over, um, the, um, <clears throat> there's a, uh, what I've been doing is I've been writing my food down every day. So I'm, I hold myself accountable and, um, I don't eat the trigger foods, of course, but um, 
I travel a lot. And uh, when I travel, I've come up with all kinds of techniques and, and um, things that really are helpful to keep me abstinent and not eating compulsively. And um, I'm able to share those tools with my uh, friends in OA and it's helping them a lot. helps me a lot to share that and remember that that is the core of my physical recovery. And um, spiritually, um, that's, that's really my spiritual fitness is what is going to be able to keep me here. It's when, I, when I was compulsively eating, I was cutting myself off from, from God. Really, I was numbing my brain out. And um, I try to look at God as my, uh, my beacon now. He's like a navigation beacon. And uh, when I start flying astray, I'll just tune back in and get back on that beacon. Because God is, is, is good. God is goodness. God is love. That's where I want to go. When I see myself doing something that I don't think is quite good or quite loving, then I want to come back on onto that beacon. And I use this program and the people in these rooms to help me do that. And um, today, my life is incredible. Well, we were uh, walking all over the Huntington... Uh, anybody been to the Huntington Library and Botanical Gardens? You know, 207 acres out there. And we're walking around there, I, you know, and I don't feel tired. And I'm out there enjoying it. My wife is an incredibly talented artist and sculptor, and one of her sculptures is now in the garden and I'm so proud of her um, it's just to be part of this you know just completely amazes me um, be out there with our grandson and to be able to enjoy the day um, I believe that part of my abstinence it needs to be physical activity and I don't like the word exercise because exercise is boring so find something you like to do I had one friend I said hey why don't you you like Disneyland get an annual pass Walk around there. There's absolute things you can do. You can bring your own food in. Walk around Disneyland. That's you know, have a great time. Walking, whatever it is, you got to be physically active. I get it about 50 minute bike ride every day. I can sometimes um, a little bit less or not at all. When I travel, you know, it's harder. But and I go to the gyms and stuff. But um, that physical activity, I call it life's. I call it nature's Prozac, and it's <laughs> and it's true. Because when you exercise, your brain chemistry improves, and the doctors will tell you that. So I believe that getting some sort of physical activity, something fun, something you enjoy, and, and, and that's where God is. He's not, you know, he's in here too. He's in all of us. But God is out there, and, and that world is amazing. And you guys can, if you're not seeing it now, there's a miracle. Everywhere you look, everything's a miracle. So I hope... That you have someone here in this pro, someone here in this room, you can pick as a sponsor who will help you guide you through the steps to um, help you recover from this seemingly hopeless disease and um, be able to enjoy life again, and so that you can take a birthday chip um, like these two ladies here. And um, believe me, it's a lot better than being out there. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, briefly describe my evolution of my higher power. Well, um, my my first higher power, there I didn't have one. Of course, I was an atheist, uh, agnostic, I would say, just to be politically correct. And um, <clears throat> what happened is the group was a power greater than myself. Now, I've heard people say, oh, uh, make it a doorknob. 
I mean, you know, doesn't that sound ridiculous? You know, whoever heard of a doorknob as your higher power? Well, that's totally ridiculous. Um, then um, the power started going into, uh, a friend of mine said to me, I, we were talking about God, and he said, I said, well, what, what is God? Where is God? And he goes, well, do you see that wave crashing? I go, yeah, that's God. Do you see that tree growing? That's God. Um, can you explain the love? Why people do loving things? Selfish? Unselfish things? That's love. That's God. Okay. So that's God. God is good with an extra O. God. G-O-O-D. Um, so these are the ideas that are... So I see God as like a power, an energy, a force that I can connect with because I was created by this power. And I believe, hmm, probably shouldn't say this, but I believe that religion is a way of getting a handle on God. And I, I believe all the religions can be very good. I'm, 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 so we don't, in this, our, our concept of God in this program is roomy and all-inclusive. Uh, that's what they say in the big book. But I, I don't believe, you know, necessarily. But, but, but I am finding that religious ideas can help you also. So I encourage people to try that. Does that help? Great. Okay, great. Um, the resentment prayer, I'll paraphrase, basically, um, I pray for the uh, person I have the resentment for. So let's say it's somebody who fired me. I would say, would you please pray for this ignorant, poor person? No. <laughs> uh, would you please, um, would you please, this person is sick. Somebody who's done me harm. That's probably a bad example, but somebody who's done me harm. Uh, would you, pl- uh, I will pray for this person as a sick friend. And, and can you help this person? And can you take this resentment away from me? Help me not feel like, and, and and you say that prayer over and over again with their name in it until until it goes away until the resentment goes away and it's in there it's in the book and then the other um, thing you asked about how I pray I pray on my knees because I believe that it's important to humble myself to a power greater than myself remember I'm not the power greater than myself and I always start with the um, third step prayer and um, I also also pray for other people, and I pray for acceptance, and I pray for um, to do the right thing in His will, and um, and I occasionally pray for results. But I don't think that. See, I'm not in the results business. God is, and God knows. If I got everything I wanted when I came to this program and I prayed for, I would have been sold short. See, God gave me things I never even imagined. So I pray for His will. You're welcome. Thank you.